This is Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. So we've been away for a little bit, um, taking a break, a hiatus, um, but we have resurrected the podcast again this Easter weekend. This Easter weekend, um, here we are uh, to talk again together. And today we're going to do something a little different. Um, we're going to talk about some fun stuff that I found in a, an academic article on Google, um, Google Scholar. Um, now, Scott, you said you'd heard of, you've used Google Scholar before yeah. for your schoolwork, probably? Uh, that or like when I'm trying to research a specific topic yeah. for something I'm right. teaching on. Right. Something. Right. Dave's heard of it. Yeah. I have not used it, but I have heard of it. I heard it's a good resource. Yeah. Tim? Never heard of it. Okay. Well, there you go. Why, if I type in Google, wouldn't Google just pull it up? It won't. Why? This is specifically for scholarly articles. No, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't understand why it's. But it's. It's. So it true. probably does search it up for me. But it's probably the one millionth entry. It probably might be. Probably. Probably. Really yeah. have to scan through. <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's helpful for finding like books and resources mm-hmm. that are not as commonly known. Mm-hmm. Like if you you can, like, you can search by date. And you can get theses, right? Oh, Dissertations. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. one of the most helpful things yeah. to find. Yeah. Is yeah. dissertation. That's what I heard. It's really good about. Mm-hmm. I don't really need any of that anymore. I got AI chat. Trust <laughs> it all for you. I have YouTube and AI chat, so I'm good to go. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay, so uh, I want to do this. This is an interesting article um, that we can walk through some of the basic things uh, that it's talking about. But it's cool. go let ahead. me ask you this: Why were you researching this article? Because what in your life okay. did you do this? So, I don't even think you've brought it up yet. What the topic is, but. So I've been recently just thinking again, like I, I listened to a podcast um, called the Paleo Protestant Podcast. And one of the things they consistently talk about is the relationship that we don't think about often, which with uh, sociology and uh, Christianity or religion. And so like sociology would talk about issues like race or class or culture, economic status, all those things that play into um our religion and or denominations. And so for instance, one thing that you could, um, if, from a historical perspective, um, if you were in, for instance, if you were in the 1600s in England, um, there would have been, you know, three different denominations or there were multiple, there would have been different groups of Christians. You would have had the Baptists, the Congregationalists, the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians. And um, at least for the Presbyterians and the Congregationalists and the Baptists, they would have all been roughly, uh, broadly speaking, they would have attracted different people from different uh, uh, socioeconomic statuses. Mm -hmm. The Baptists were the poorest, then the Congregationalists and the Presbyterians would have been the richest Mm -hmm. and the most, maybe maybe the most well-educated, typically, of all those people uh, on average. So I'm just saying that we don't think oftentimes, though, about the relationship that um, class or uh, culture or uh, money plays into denominations or where churches are located, uh, so on and so forth. doesn't mean it's everything, but it's just an interesting thing to consider um, when, you, when you're thinking about um, Christianity. So that's why I was looking up these things. I was looking up sociology and different topics and such like that. And so this is one article that came up. 
that I think is helpful for us to think about. Because sometimes we just simply think about, well, we just believe this because we're biblical. And that could be, but it also could be because we're also reading things from a very, uh, you know, very much a, a lower middle class perspective, um, which is typically what our what I am. That's what I am. That's what I'm assuming most people in our church are, is from the the middle to lower middle class um, uh, yeah, church. That's basically what MMBC is. That's what our community basically is, and that's what I am. So um, we're also looking at it from that uh, perspective as well. So what's our topic today? Our topic today is an article called "When Bricks Matter." Now, this is not it's about Legos. Legos. Yes, it's not, not about Lego Legos. Not it's Lego. not about Legos. This is not a brickumentary. The brickumentary. That's an art. That's, that's a, a, it's a movie. That's yeah. a good you show. You should watch it, Scott. It would encourage you. I'm not a Lego guy, but I watched it. It was good. Yes, yes. Talks it's all about, about the origins of Lego. Is that what it's? Yeah, I think it's about and fans of Lego, mm-hmm. how different cool. people use Legos. I like Lego Masters. The, Have you seen that? That's good. Oh, yeah. My boys love that show. Yeah, it's a great show. You go to the Lego exhibit at the fair? Yep. We've been there. Set up. Yep. At where? The fair. They have a Lego exhibit You don't there. go to that part? I don't. Oh, yeah. They the talk about the Monroe, Monroe County Fair. doesn't go to the fair unless Nelly's there. <laughs> How do you get cheese curds? I didn't go to that. I How was out of town. How do you get cheese curds if you don't go to the fair? Uh, Culver's? <laughs> no. A&W? No. They have an elephant ear set up. A&W's way better, actually, than Culver's when it comes to cheese curds. They had a fair food festival. Have you ever had A&W cheese curds? No, I haven't. They're very good. no way they compare to the ones at the fair. The Wisconsin cheese Yeah. Yeah, probably not. But I'm just saying, you said, where do you get them? I get them there. You know who else has cheese curds now is Walmart. Do they? In their, I think in their their chicken section, their little deli chicken section. Yeah, yeah. I've not had them. I've never got anything from that section. Made in China, probably. That's because you're not. Yeah. Well, because I'm not. (laughs) You're not from Southern Missouri. If you were from Southern Missouri, you would have at least had something from that chicken deli section. Walmart's on the north end of town. It's never over there. That's the reason. Right. Right. I like Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pro Walmart. Tim's a true Southerner. I'm pro Walmart. Staying on the Southern end of town. <laughs> you know, we went to Walmart on vacation. It was so weird. They didn't have groceries in that Walmart. It was like a really old one. Yeah. Whoa. Because mm-hmm. we went for groceries. That's yeah. what we were going to get. Wow. <laughs> Where was this at? Yes, I'll eat the in, sock. Uh, on Cape Cod. <sighs> My wife, uh, the Walmart in her hometown is is an old school Walmart hmm. and they do not Still? have yes they do not have a it's funny because that's what ours was when it was yeah. uh, um, so yeah, like Hobby there, there, really? there yeah, is probably. a few there, there's a fridge section and they'll have a right. few yeah, yeah, yeah. A few things it's like Just a target a kind of very small but no it's hmm. funny because I was used to in Missouri in southern Missouri which close to Arkansas right we every Walmart. Well, they they actually now have neighborhood markets. Yes, I down, made down one of those there, in Florida. Which, which is just like a, it's like a Kroger Walmart. So hmm. they don't have all the clothing, but um, very small. But maybe. it's interesting because even even uh, people I've heard will say they call it still call it the super center. Yeah, right. which yeah. for oh. us I grew up like we don't even call it the super center anymore Walmart. because that's just Walmart now. <laughs> but at least in Courtney's hometown, they still have the remnants of yeah. they have one old school Walmart. Hmm. I can't believe that she's like. Not far from the origin of Walmart. Yeah, I know. Did it start in Missouri? Walmart? Started in Northwest Arkansas. Arkansas. Bittenville. Mm-hmm. Bittenville, yeah. Anyways, but it do, this does actually go with what we're talking about yeah. a little bit. Because okay. there is comfort no matter where you go in the country and you walk into Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know you're in Walmart. <laughs> and I can wear whatever I want. Or <laughs> well, that's how I feel about Starbucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, same, same thing. Same yeah, yeah but exactly. I, but we're talking about buildings and the buildings of Walmart. That yes. when, you, when you go in, you get that. Yeah. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I'm in Walmart. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. You could probably take some, like I could take Spencer, put him anywhere in the country, take him in Walmart, pull the blindfold off, say, where are we real quick? You'd look big. I'm at Walmart. <laughs> Always low prices. <laughs> uh, roll back. <laughs> roll back. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep remember that commercial? I do. Yeah. Remember the little bouncy mm-hmm. smiley face yep. with the whip uh-huh. and the yep. rope? Yeah. Rolling those prices. But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so this is we about. Spencer dreamed of as a kid. This is. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> for fun. he wanted to be the smiley face. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually have. I don't know if it broke. I had a smiley face mug from the Walmart place of the, that would like whenever the hot mm. stuff was in it yeah it would light up nice um so this is called four arguments for the sociological study of religious buildings so it's talking about the fact that one of the things we don't think about often is uh the role that church architecture or the physical buildings that we gather in uh, actually impacts us or shows our values mm. winston churchill had a famous quote where he said first we shape our buildings then our buildings shape, shape us yeah and so what he's saying there is we shape our buildings. And when we do that, whether or not we realize that we're putting, we're, we're highlighting what we value. We're highlighting what we want and what we, what is important to us when we shape that building. But then also the reverse is, is, is the reality too, is that building begins to shape us as a group mm-hmm. and individually. And that's true. That's what happens um, in architecture. And so um, in this in this article, which is by a guy named Robert Brenneman and Brian Miller, um, he says, we examine the influence of religious buildings as we take seriously the call to explore the role of physical and embodied objects, as well as materiality in social life and interaction. Um, so they give four arguments for why we should care about this and why we should study this. The first argument they say is this buildings powerfully shape and are shaped by religious congregations. Um, so they are shaped, they give, they powerfully shape and are shaped by religious congregations. They say this, um, the physical structure constructed by a congregation communicates particular values and meanings to those who congregate there, as well as to the many who never enter the structure, but who nevertheless draw conclusions about its members based on the building's shape, design, and size. So they're saying that it's actually, you're saying something with what you do with your building. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what do you think about that? Do we often think about this? Um, what, what do you think this? What do you think about this? I think, for we, I think people know that. I mean, there it's not so much going on now, but there was a big push, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago for churches to start not in a church building, but to find a storefront. Movie theaters were like a big craze. But the, there was mm-hmm. a purpose behind that of like, right. we are different than what church used to be. Yes. Religion doesn't have to be in a building, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. There was like this big push about that, and even almost a uh, there was like a negative aspect if you had a building, mm-hmm. and it that said something to people. Almost like a like it's almost like some people were uncomfortable to go in a church building because they felt like they were wrong, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they were guilty walking in a church building. It's like bring all your sin right in here into this movie theater. No big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing to worry about when right. you come here. And, that does kind of tell you something, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. As someone walking in. I would push back against that slightly. Okay. Because I think that can be true mm-hmm. for sure, depending on the church. Because there's actually in my hometown a church, a very large church in Louisville that has taken over the town movie theater and now meets there. But on having been on the side of, of the church where we were a church without a building ourselves and trying to find a building for us, buying a, well, first of all, building a building from 
the get-go was not going to be work. We mm-hmm. just didn't have the money sure. to do that or the land to do that. And then the only buildings that were available for sale were stores, old stores that had shut down or storefronts or things like that. And so I don't think it's always you're trying to make a statement by doing that. Sometimes it's only this is what's available to us and what we can afford. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying always. There was a push, though, for some. For a lot of them was like when I would be in like church planting things. There was a purpose behind that. Some yeah, that, of it, some that of it was be debt. True. Some of it was debt, which I understand, right? Don't go getting in debt. You only got 15 yeah. people. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just, I don't yeah. want people to think, oh, look at them. They're, they're meeting in a storefront. They must think like this. Oh, I don't think yeah, that's no, universal. No. That's what I'm saying. No. No, I didn't mean it like that. No. But I did hear that from some of them. I heard know, that That too, was yeah. the reason yeah. for it. Yeah. 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 No. And I think too, I think the reality is though, is it's important for people to realize that they're not because one of the things that'll be will often be said is well it doesn't the building doesn't matter it doesn't matter so we can worship god anywhere we can worship in a barn or whatever mm-hmm. but we also need to highlight your worship experience and what shapes what shape i know i can't believe i said that phrase oh, Spencer's so man. big on the worship experience how okay so <laughs> your christian formation going on is going to be somewhat of that you see, he he said it he said yeah. it on one way he said it baptist the other way he said it Presbyterian. <laughs> he did yeah <laughs> your spiritual formation he tried to switch it worship okay, your spiritual yeah, formation yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good good catch good catch see i'm doing sociology right yeah, now you are yeah. you are you are your spiritual formation is going to look you're going to it's going to be different compared to whether or not you're doing it in a barn or whether or not you're doing it in an established church. Like sure. you can't help that. Right. So I think one of the things that we, we want to help people think about is the fact that we are body and soul. So we're not disembodied souls. So church, that's why church architecture does matter. Yeah. And like Scott pointed out though, it is helpful to be reminded that one of the, one of the reasons why people might, might purchase a non-traditional building or rent or utilize that is because of monetary funds, on the other hand, even while you're doing that, you need to be aware of what the space, the physical space is going to do to your congregation um, and to you and to the people there. Um, because so often I think it's it's kind of like, well, well, this doesn't matter at all. Well, it, it is going to it is going to impact yeah. who you are. Yeah, it yeah. is going to shape you and your children and mm-hmm. everybody who comes into this church. They're going to have expectations about what kind of church is here mm-hmm. simply based upon the external looks and I think that is important too. Um, we're kind of pushing against a, uh, a an unhealthy dualism between right, spirit yeah. and body. I think at some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just declaring, "Hey, we're the church. The church isn't a building." True, right. True. Right. Uh, but you're going to meet. Right. You're going to meet mm-hmm. meet somewhere, um, and where you're meeting is going to then influence even what you can do. So, like, yeah. think about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. When they're designing buildings, they're thinking about acoustics because yeah, the preacher needs to be heard. There yeah. was no... They didn't have microphones yeah. and stuff. So it's yeah. like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to build this building. We have to factor this in so that everybody can can hear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see it uh, with what they believe will determine the building. Like, uh, I know, I think it's some Lutheran churches have the baptismal font like in the middle but there's a reason yeah. for that mm. because of their theology, right? right? And and you you see well, different yeah. shapes and stuff, but it and it that's direct yeah. on that. But a lot of it is yeah. just general general use as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, to be honest, we don't have to think too much about today with microphones and stuff, with the acoustics and all that. But uh, people will think about like 
lighting, you know, what kind of events are we doing yes. in here? What's our worship going to look I think, like? I think what you're saying though, too, is um, the role of electronic yeah. media and sound yeah. equipment <clears throat> and lighting you're, you're making a theological statement there as well. And we don't realize, I think there was even, wasn't there even a book that I saw in the Gospel Coalition they were reviewing, and it was called The People of the Screen, hmm. how evangelicals have, uh, how the screen has transformed the way uh, oh, we interact about, with the Bible. Didn't they have a screen in medieval times? Well, they did have a screen between the, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I thought you were yeah, going yeah, oh, yeah. No, but this was, I think yeah. they're talking about the use of screen yeah. Right, yeah. In, uh, in all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, think about it. Think, there yeah. are churches now that are built with the thought that there will not be a pastor on stage preaching. Yep. Yes. The preaching's coming from the screen. Mm-hmm. Right. That impacts. At the main, at the main campus. The satellite yes. type. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So eventually they, these, these, uh, these writers of this, this article uh, say this, even when an architect is employed, as is often, though certainly not always the case, a religious building reflects in some fashion the hopes and needs of the community that builds it. Once built, that religious building can influence the behavior of later users. Let me ask you guys something. So our building here that we're currently sitting in, uh, I was here when it was built and everything, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sure I don't see you a lot. You guys were at one point new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you drove up to this building for the first time. You saw it. You walked in. H- how would you describe this building based on kind of what we're talking about? Anything? I I have something like based on what you just said mm-hmm. about how the building actually influences the people. Mm-hmm. Something that I the first time I ever came here, if I was by myself, which I wasn't, I think I I was here with you at the very beginning. Tim, I said Tim. <clears throat> I didn't know if I was by myself, I wouldn't know where to go. Mm. I wouldn't know where the front entrance because we have two front entrances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I was immediately, you know, you pull down. Like, do I turn right? Do I turn left? Do I take <laughs> the red pill? Point. Do I take the blue yeah. pill? <laughs> what am I supposed we'll to do? See what kind of Which wire do I clip? <laughs> yeah. So that was that was my first experience. But now, after being here, I think an interesting phenomenon that I I see in our church is that, in a weird way, our church is split. Uh, based on North where, and south. based on where they park. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm not I know. kidding. I know. That's a good there point. Some, yeah, you're like right. we have two main entrances, and because of that, there are some people that would park like on the south side. They park down there, and they never interact with people on the north side. Yeah, my family does missionary work. They park on the north side, but sit in the far <laughs> south back yeah. side. Wow. That's good. That, look at that. They're missionaries. Mission. Great commission Such work. A good there you go. Missional. <laughs> that's a really good... Yeah. No, Scott, that's a really good point. Yeah, that is yeah. a good point. I mean, I've noticed that. It's like, you never met them, but then I think about... You know, I'm talking to somebody. It's like, yeah, you've never met so-and-so. They sit right over here. They say, no, I never talked to them. And I get mm-hmm. to thinking, I was like, well, that makes sense. You park on the south side. You come in the south yep. side. You use the south side bathroom. You sit right. on the south side of sanctuary. When you leave, you you go, and 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 think about that even further a little bit more. You have bathrooms for men and women on each side. So literally, the closest they'll ever get is if they have kids in the nursery. Right, mm-hmm. right. Because it's right in the very. That's middle. a good point. And again, it's not wrong to have two entrances. It's no. not wrong to have two sets of bathrooms. No, but it shapes but, the relationships within yes, the church. Yes, and people need to realize that. See, that, we're doing sociology. Yeah, here, that's exactly it. That's exactly this it. This is so exciting. This is, isn't this fun? So this was there fun. anything when you first came, like you've realized that more since you've been here, yeah. right? Anything when you guys first came, you first saw the building that the first thing said I, something to the you? The first thing to me, and this is partially just because I had come from a, a small church, was it's big. Okay. 
and I don't know what that did to me, but I just remember, wow, it's a big building. That's the comment I always hear. So, like, we've had school administrators in here not too long ago looking at the building for something. Right. This place is huge. Like, for me, I don't get that. any. Uh, that's not me. You're mm-hmm. used to it now. I'm used to it. So, it's not it's not huge anymore. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the things. And, and that does say something, yeah. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I think. Th- yeah, I think for me, it's it's too. It's like, like, this building's really big, but it also, it's traditional. Because big buildings, you know, like, like the, for example, like where I was at, well, you know, when I was in seminary, was like an auditorium, you know, like the seeker type sensitive type churches, you know, and it's like, and MNBC is big, but it also is, has the traditional feel like the pews. So it has the nostalgic or the... The fake plants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of like the, wow, this is a big church, but it's not like a mega church, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? What I'm saying... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that is a part of what we're talking yeah, about. Like what, what that, your function is and what you believe yeah, churches yeah. will dictate how you right. build the building. So mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the bigness, that was the thing that stood out to, to my now four-year-old, Thomas. He called mm-hmm. it the Big Brown Church. Mm-hmm. It's like, because we would point out different churches in town, but he said, no, we're going to the Big Brown Church. And that's just mm-hmm. what he called it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how he thought of it in his mind. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense, because as you're driving up, the first thing you're you're greeted with is this big brown brick wall mm-hmm. right with a yeah. cross on it and it's just how you you think to identify it mm-hmm. i've even heard in our association even when i first came in like the, our, this that's the big church the big church in yeah town. it's been re- labeled as that's the big church right know? right it's kind of interesting and i think um i even hear that in the community you do when they're like uh yeah. what do you do for a living oh, I, I pastor a church in monroe oh which one and i'm like uh monroe missionary the big one and i say you know monroe missionary Oh, where's that? And I'm like, it's on uh, South Dixie, kind of by Alban. And eventually that's what it gets to. It's either me saying, you know, it's a bigger one on the one side, or they go, oh, you mean the big one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so and so, I think that's important because then whatever people think, what it depends on what somebody thinks of a big church, because they're thinking big building equals big church equals Either a success or success or I can heresy or, or they're thinking, yeah, there's any number of good or bad connotations that probably people are outside that never even come in our doors Mm -hmm. are thinking. Um, And then also though, think about what that does to, to us as a congregation when, whenever it's like, I'm a part of that big church, Mm -hmm. you know, it shapes the way you think about the church in ways that we're not even, we're not even aware of probably. Yeah, some things that I notice, like I just think about, it seems like we went to great, I wasn't part of like the, I was too young when this was being built. I was a teenager or whatever, so I didn't have a say. It would have been a gym if I had a say. (laughs) Uh, It is purposefully not Catholic at all, this building. Mm. You would never pull up and say, that's one of the Catholic churches. Mm -hmm. We have none of that. The one stained glass window we have can't be seen from the outside. <laughs> it's interesting. It's on the inside, mm-hmm. and that was a carryover from the old building. Um, but it does look purposefully to be, to what you said, Dave, there is a sense of traditionalness yeah. um, in Southern Baptist life mm-hmm. of the way the sanctuary looks. Mm-hmm. But it also purposefully, I think, when you're walking the hallways and different things, doesn't look it, it's just supposed to look like a building mm-hmm. like you could be walking the hallway of some doctor's offices or something mm-hmm. very uh, 
plain, I guess, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. So that it wouldn't, you know, I don't, I, I think it's a pushback from Catholicism and just trying to really differentiate. Mm. And so there is this modern, but modern in terms of the late nineties of when this was built, there's those modern aspects that was purposely put into it, but there was a sense of trying to be traditionally um, Southern Baptist and yeah. the look of the pews, you know, they went with pews instead of chairs or mm-hmm. whatever. And, Mm-hmm. But it's kind of stadium style, mm-hmm. elevated up, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a slope. There's a down. slope going down, yeah. mm-hmm. right, to pay attention. So that when people spill their coffee, it, it just slowly, makes a little yeah. straight line. Yeah, or yesterday it was a ball. I watched a ball. <laughs> all the way oh, down. he did? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, also, I mean, even, even things as well, because I know that our church in the past, I mean, this is another way of architecture plays its role. I know in the past building, I wasn't here, but I heard, right, we, we programs were a major thing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, what was well, designed I, was the stage, I'm assuming. No, was, actually, that was, that was a, that was a that point purpose? of contention. No, because oh. it was like drastically different. Because at the old building, we had a curtain. Oh, It was like a stage like at okay. a school. Okay. And you mm-hmm. had a curtain, and that's how the, the program would function was with the mm-hmm. curtain. When we came here, it was like, we can't do programs anymore. Oh, really? The way you guys designed this, we can't, uh. we can't do that. Oh, and so they had to get really you creative. Know, creative to figure out okay. mm. um, what to do and how to do it. See, I was thinking that well. maybe the, the the way the stage was designed was with that in mind. I think it was designed more for choir. Okay, the choir aspect, a mm. band, because at the old church building we had a what's it called? Like an orchestra? Yeah, there you go. We had an orchestra, but the orchestra at the old building was off to the side, like not really part of it because okay. it was after, right? So they they built the stage with an orchestra pit. Mm-hmm. in the yeah. middle yeah yeah and they could have the orchestra there and then they could have the band off to the side and right. singers up front and then the thought i think was a whole big choir loft full of right. choir mm-hmm. right that's what it was okay. designed for in for t- sure that was, that was the yeah <clears throat> yeah and i think that's important because that then because that's the building was a, i mean it was designed for that mm-hmm. but then also that has affected that's impacted the way that we then think also that we, so we designed the building for that purpose, Mm -hmm. but then also that impacts us for what we think church ought to look like. Right. Right. Yeah. Another impact this building had, I don't, this wasn't meant, but um, we've kind of rushed into this building and at our old building, we had Sunday school attendance around 400, about 400 people came to Sunday school every week. When we moved to this building, we had like six classrooms because we didn't have the fellowship hall or anything. We just had this side. Mm. And so you know the rooms that we have in here right. aren't much. Mm-hmm. You're looking at nursery, mm-hmm. right? They needed all that. And what it did is it killed the education wow. side of the church. It mm. destroyed it. At first, people tried to come, and they put up partitions in the sanctuary mm-hmm. and tried to have classes. But eventually, because of the design of the building, the numbers just dwindled and dwindled and mm. dwindled down to where there was... Hardly any, mm. and then we built the education the wing. education wing eight years later, something like that. About eight years later, and honestly, Sunday school never recovered. Hmm. Numbers would go up a little bit, but it never really recovered to what it was before. Before, I would say almost everybody in the service was at Sunday school. So it they was, just didn't come because of the classroom space. They just stopped coming. To that's Sunday what school. I think. I mean, there just wasn't I've, room. I've heard yeah. it was very loud. It was annoying. Yeah. So you had the youth up. They built those rooms upstairs. Yeah. That was so loud and distracting. And then underneath the balcony was rooms oh. with just some blue partitions. So then that was loud. Mm. You had all of that going on. 
and then you'd have the band trying to warm up or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. and it's like, oh my gosh, this is and ridiculous. so that probably that was an unintended, unintended. But that yeah. was they did, no, no one was trying to no. to do that to Sunday school. Right, but no, that no. was just something that happened building, as a result because of the building. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So that that's another illustration of mm-hmm. what we're trying to say is we shape our buildings, but also our buildings shape, shape us. us. Yeah. The experience of the church. Um, they they also say this religious buildings speak both to the community that meets in them and to those whose only notion of the congregation is the building itself. And they do this by drawing on the shared vernacular surrounding physical structures of those in their community. Their size, shape, and symbols represent legible signs to outsiders about the kind of community that worships within them. Wow. So that's a good line, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, I think about like my trip I just went on and I, I'm, I, I look at churches because I guess of what I do. I do too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, I, we went to a place where the first churches started in America, mm-hmm. right? We're over in Massachusetts area and all this beautiful buildings. And like, if you were to roll into town, this town and you see this steeple, right? This beautiful steeple, this beautiful church building, it kind of makes you start to think of something about that church and that town. But you, it mentioned in their symbols, didn't it? I know you're on your phone. Yeah, sorry. No, I've I've got a couch being delivered. You're just leading a podcast. So yes, no, no, you're right. Physical symbols, the 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 legible signs outside. Yes. So now this is this is the symbol though that was almost at every church, which told me something about the church. A rainbow flag Mm -hmm. was on every one of them. Yeah, and that tells us something right now. That Mm -hmm. symbol speaks to they the love community. the noahic covenant <laughs> yeah yeah speaks to <laughs> me but it speaks to the whole community mm-hmm. about what they stand for and they find it important enough to put not just a flag out there but they would have many of them would have those uh signs uh yeah you know what those, I'm talking about? Yeah, yard sign things. yard yeah. signs mm-hmm. yeah that would say right uh that's letting you know it lets me know right what's important to them right away sure. where before the building you would see a cross and you would you would see this these things that were built into the building, the stained glass, mm-hmm. like in the. Uh, I had the chance to go to the uh, National Cathedral, mm-hmm. and the stained glass tells a story. There mm-hmm. was a purpose behind those stained right. glasses. It walks you through the gospel if you mm-hmm. follow. Well, now now they have new stained glass that they're adding, which is not gospel oriented <laughs> at yeah. all whatsoever. But there was a purpose behind all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that still that still is true today. Just the importance of the symbols, and if you walk around our church, there's not a lot of symbols. If you walk around the outside, you'll right. see a cross on the front, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's and a cross top, and well, depending on which angle which, it's which spawned angle. at because yeah. of the wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to replace it with a rooster one day. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that you're joking, but the Dutch churches in Grand Rapids do that. They have a rooster. They do. Really? Wow. Yes. I think it's connected some for some reason to Peter's denial. Oh, great. Come here and deny Christ. No, <laughs> no, it's traditional. It's just, right. I'm just that's, telling you, that's, that's great. There you go. They do that. Yeah. Well, and well, the, the reformer. the fun of that joke. Yeah. yeah. The reformers <laughs> were very intentional about, you know, when, when the Reformation really started taking off of getting rid of the, from the, in the central of the building, getting rid of the, 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 altar. Mat, the altar for mass yeah. and putting a pulpit. Yep. As if to say, this is most important. This is centric, you know, the preaching of the gospel and not yes. the sacraments. And that was a huge shift in that time. 
yeah. you know, um, which, in the Reformation times. Which so. still happens today, yeah. uh, at least for me. Yeah. If I walk into a church and there's no pulpit, right. I see a little table off to the side of mm-hmm. the chair, and I, th- I think, all right, I know what's coming. Or like a little living what room you're saying, the couch okay, area. What's important. Right. So what you're saying is, let's, let's connect this real quick, because what we're saying here about worship is um, we might have to do two episodes on this, which will be actually pretty good. Why? So this you, whole topic. Why? why? Because so we're only on the first argument. No, why is it good that we do a two-parter? Because uh, that way I can get more bang for my buck out of the next uh, the next article. <laughs> All right. Um, so it talks about religious uh, buildings, and they're used by groups, right, for the, for for purposes of worship. It says their primary use is typically for corporate worship in particular, or he says in worship, a group of people meets together at a certain time to interact in a very particular way, often claiming to interact with the transcendent or divine. Whereas a home provides a place for an individual or a small group to seek rest, shelter and privacy and to interact in patterned ways in a church, temple, mosque or synagogue, a group of people, most of whom are typically of no blood relation gather to do something that can only be accomplished together. And later on, it says this, in other words, the corporate social nature of worship places unique demands upon religious buildings. Um, So they, they, whenever, what you're saying about uh, corporate worship is impacted by the architecture that you have, as Dave already pointed out, one example from the past, right, was the movement of the altar Mm -hmm. to the side or down in front of like ours is right. The communion table we use, well, we don't do that, but at my past church, um, and in in many traditional churches, the Lord's supper table that's used is below the pulpit Mm -hmm. and that's intentional. Um, so like, I don't know if you guys, did you ever have that? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we the, do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but our our but I'm saying our communion table is typically at the front. It was always at the. Oh. It was always left up there up front. Yeah, um, but below the pulpit, that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and uh, so also, um, like you pointed out, Tim, in and of itself, stuff like this can be indifferent. So, for instance, one of the trends that's happening today is pastors are and churches are deciding to eliminate the pulpit Mm -hmm. as the architectural feature of public speaking and instead have a table or something else on the side couch or something, something or a stool that they just sit on Mm -hmm. with the music stand. Now, again, in and of itself, the Bible doesn't tell us we have to use a pulpit, but you are saying something about what you're doing and about the person who's doing that and who the people in the pews are by what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, with all of that, you're either trying, you're, you're making statements about, um, your connection to the past, whether or not you want to be connected to the past church or not. You're also making a statement about, is this primarily about the speaker or about the word that's being spoken? Mm-hmm. You're making all of those statements in ways that you don't realize by simply choosing different architecture to speak from or to utilize, and that's that's missed. Which is, I yeah, think. yeah, which is something like the Catholic Church would just completely have over us. Right, their buildings are purposely built the way that they are because of how they worship, where things are yeah. placed and put. And mm-hmm. if you if you go to one of those services, you'll notice the priest is like secondary. I mean, way secondary. Right. It's more about his act, what he's doing and with what, Mm -hmm. right. And they'll have a a sermon. It's, it'll be shorter in their services for sure, but it's because of all the actions of the, of the mass, the Eucharist, all Mm -hmm. the stuff that they, that they're doing where 
us as Baptists, we, in a way, got rid of a lot of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the word is what's supposed to be central, right. we, w- we would say. Um, and so, like you said, Spencer, we don't, you don't have to have a pulpit. The Bible doesn't no. say that. And no. I'm, I would say there's, there's probably some pastors who don't use a pulpit that I would listen to their sermon and say amen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think, man, that was, that was great. That was a great sermon. But it does kind of, yeah, you're right. It, it says it says something. Particularly yeah. if you're intentionally changing it. If you grew up in a culture and yeah. you're like, I never had a pulpit, whatever, well, that would people, be one thing. But if you're intentionally yeah. moving away from that. And so yeah. people might say, what is it saying? This is what it's saying to me. Right. This is me. But it's removing authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they would say, when I get, a, if you get up behind a pulpit, you're, you're exerting some sort of authority, which makes people feel uncomfortable, to which I don't want. So I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to have a table that makes it seem like we are having a conversation here. Right. I am not a threat to you. We're just having coffee together. And so I'm going to say some things from the Bible, and I hope that you will listen to it and take it. That's what it kind of says to me. I'm not saying that's what every pastor who does that is saying. But it's like this barrier that's removal where now there's better comfort level between you and me as we have a communication time here, yeah. which I see the sermon time as something very well, let different. Me, I mean, one of the things, right, we, we see this difference right away in even in public life. For instance, if the president comes and speaks from behind the, uh, the desk of the Oval Office desk or wherever he speaks publicly, what does he have in front of him usually? TV cameras. He has a, a stand with the, <laughs> the presidential, presidential seal. seal right in front of it. He does often have TV cameras. But there's a reason why he does that. He do, Does he become the president because he stands behind that pulpit? Nope. He already has the authority. But he but by standing behind the, sitting behind the desk or, what are you laughing at? You're laughing at me about something. No, I'm just... He holds it so he don't fall down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Our, our, current, our current one is struggling. Good call, good call. He struggles yeah. with the walking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, good call. I did not say that. I know. I, okay, that was you. That I was, was you. laughing. That was you. It. Okay. I, so I so anyway. True, it's true. I respect him. But I'm just saying that, that we use that even in our society today <laughs> to highlight... Uh, to highlight an official capacity yeah. in which you're speaking. Mm-hmm. And that's, so actually what you're doing, and that's the ironic thing is, I think sometimes people will say, well, I just did this so that way, uh, you know, I, I want to eliminate barriers. But actually what you're doing in some ways, if you're not careful, is you're actually making it more about you mm-hmm. because it becomes more about you as a person instead of you in your office mm-hmm. as a pastor, as a preacher. Um, and Is that why... Uh- is that why some denominations wear robes? Yeah. Is it? I mean, seriously, yes. is, it, is the whole purpose of that to minimize them? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, the, I think the idea is, is um, yeah, to say right now I'm speaking as a pastor. Whatever, I'm not wearing the robe. I'm not doing, you know what I mean? That's well, kind I just, of. I just think that sometimes, like, I don't, I'm not advocating that we wear robes. Right. But I just think, like. Thank goodness. But no, here's what. <laughs> I think people do judge us based on what we wear. They do. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, that's not the purpose of this right. moment here. Right. I, I, the purpose is the word. Right. right. So if I can eliminate that distraction, mm-hmm. the, I, that's what I'm thinking the robe is for, right? Is this is the robe that's, that's war. We all have the same robe and whoever's preaching, they're going to wear this robe and you're not distracted if they have, you know, slacks on a tie on or whatever. It's mm-hmm. the, the robe is what's being wore at the, at that moment. But it just again that that speaks something again of the importance of not the 
person speaking necessarily, but what is being spoken. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Well, I, saying, I think it's a very reactive thing, you know, because, you know, it, it's like you've said this, Tim, like, you know, you see the billboards, this is not your grandma's church, or this is not your mm-hmm. mama's church. You know, there's a very, it's a very reactive move. I mean, for example, it's like, you know, I have friends that grew up at Temple Baptist, you know, and Temple Baptist, very traditional, pews, pulpit, you know, and then when they moved to Plymouth, to Northridge, they got rid of all that auditorium seating. They don't even call it, they, they stopped using the word sermon. They call them talks. Now there's no pulpit. It was a very, like, we're very different than where we came from. Right. And I, that was like, that was an intentional intentional. And they lost a lot of people, especially the older folks right. who had grown up in temple, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I, I had, like I said, I have friends that kind of did the shift over and how different it was and how, you know, unique and challenging at times it was to move from one extreme to the other or one. Right. And they probably made, they probably, they chose specific architectural designs as well to emphasize that statement that we are not the past. Um, And that happens. That happens. Uh, Real quick here again. He says here, um, in addition to religious buildings reflecting social groups and providing space for social activity in their creation and afterward, religious buildings are objects that exert unique pressure on those who utilize the space. Mm -hmm. So they exert pressure on us in ways that they, they, uh, Mm They sh- again, they shape the way that we we utilize the building. Now, when you said that, I thought of like again, I'm going to go to the Catholic churches or sure. uh, older buildings because I th- I think I had a class on architecture in school, awesome. church architecture. We traveled around, I remember, and went to different buildings. That's cool. And talked to whoever was in charge about why the buildings were the way they were. Mm-hmm. Like like the Orthodox churches have like a dome, and there's a reason for that yeah. theologically yeah. and some different things. Mm-hmm. But I remember. Uh, and one of them, I know Presbyterian churches have this, Lutheran churches, Catholics, probably Baptist churches, but the the grandeur of the building going up. Yeah. Because you would think that that's a waste of money. You know, it's like, we don't do anything 30 feet up there. There's yeah. nothing up there. Why are we doing this? Right. But the thought was kind of what you, I think, had just mm-hmm. read is when you walk into that, your your gaze is supposed to be directed up, up yep. when you walk in there. Mm-hmm. And there, so that this is a different building Mm -hmm. and I'm looking up and what does that reflect? I'm I'm looking to God. When I come in this building, that's the whole purpose Mm -hmm. is I'm looking up to him. And so I think for me, like being raised how I was, I would look at a building like that and be like, you wasted money. It's not very practical. There's not a lot of use here. I do find when I walk into those buildings, like the National National Cathedral, you feel small or like Duke, like Duke has a, you walk in and it's, you just look up and you're like, wow, you know, and you Mm -hmm. really then are, I'm in a different space here. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. something, I don't want to say holy, but you know, it's like, there's a difference here of what we do in this building. What you're, what you're experiencing is the fact that we're not simply soul, but we're a body. Yeah. Right. And so we, we do experience these tangible things. Um, They do impact us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just think about that of like, if our church doesn't really have that, I mean, Mm -hmm. we said big, but I don't even know if people would be like, a big God. I think instead they think of like success or something like that. Right. Um, But it would be much better if when we walked into our building, our gaze went up and was like, this is different. Mm -hmm. But I remember even like, you know, you hear some of the older generation say, that's the sanctuary. We don't do that in there. Like that was a big thing when I was a kid. It's like, we're in the sanctuary. Don't, you don't act like that. Mm -hmm. You don't do this. Don't bring food. Don't bring food. You don't run. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, there was, there was rules. And so for me, that room was different than the other rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And I think that was just a sense of like in there we we worship. That's the mm-hmm. purpose of that building. And that's why like we have pews. They don't move. You know, but then you start seeing churches put the chairs in that moved and all of a sudden the sanctuary wasn't the sanctuary. It was just the meeting place and where everything happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have anything necessarily right. against it. I'm saying it just changes though it changes your it also demeanor. changes what the purpose of that what the even what the group is for then. Yeah. Because then oh. you're thinking yeah, we exist for worship, but we also have a ton of other programs for you as well. That mm-hmm. like, and so instead of the one thing being central and other stuff that's fine to go along with that, it's worship becomes simply one of many things that we do and offer for you, um, and that's an intentional move. That's an intentional shift. Um, one one th- one example they give here is. Um, They say one example of the insights that can emerge from examining religious buildings as material phenomena is illustrated in recent research on American megachurches. And they're talking about how uh, uh, the new congregations have, you know, they've even their buildings. And they say churches like Willow Creek view architecture as, quote, an instrument of evangelism, end quote, and have worked to create new spaces that do not look much different from corporate office parks or shopping malls and that are all historical in welcoming popular culture. So they're intentionally trying to not look like a church, trying to look not like your mother's church, your, your grandparents' church. They're trying to look all historical and instead trying to look as much like the world. They're intentionally deciding to do that so that they can welcome as much of the world into the space as they can to try to, I'm assuming, break down barriers to yeah. get outsiders into the church building. Yeah, the church around here that most people will be familiar with who did that was Cedar Creek down in uh, Toledo. Ohio, yeah. Toledo, mm-hmm. Perrysburg area. But they, they follow the Willow Creek model. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely would go with that. Yeah. Where they built, like in Monroe, you could think of a, you might be able to think of other churches, but I can't think of one who built a building specifically like that. Yeah, it's like Northridge. Like, like, yeah, you'd have to go to like yeah. Plymouth, like Northridge yeah. and stuff. But Cedar Creek did that. If you drive by yeah. it, it's just a big, Box box building. Yeah. It's just a big... It looks like a mall. I'll, yeah. I'll never forget when I first went to Northridge, when I first started, there was a big sign. They had this big, like, you know, these big, like, um, what's the, like, kind of, like, uh, not a poster, but like a... Like, like a banner? A, yeah, banner. Thank you. And it said, we're a spiritual mall. We're, no, we're a mall of spiritual opportunities. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I thought, whoa. I don't even like malls that much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, right? But it's like that. But that said something. It's yeah. consumeristic. Come and pick what you want. We're a spiritual mall, basically. Right. Pick and choose. That's a helpful. No, that's helpful, yeah. Dave. Because yeah. I think that is that is actually that's very honest. Actually, yeah. it is. Um, yeah. It's being very honest and real. But but there are many places that are doing that that are not honest. Yeah. Uh, uh, like that. Additionally, they say this. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, Okay, yeah. Yet these new designs are building on previous social histories of church design. There's two scholars highlight four unique architectural approaches among megachurches as they differ on important features, such as the presence or absence of religious symbols, the choice of luxurious versus minimalistic decor, and the size of sanctuaries. Across these styles, and even among the churches with more traditional architecture, there is emphasis on presentation and marketing the congregation to a wide range of people. So the intention is, we are here to present and market the church to as many people as we can. And the building is designed with that in mind. Yeah, and so 
Oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, I mean, that is similar to something that I was thinking of earlier in terms of the the impression that your building makes on the community around mm-hmm. you, like when they see it, right? Like, what do they think of? And like that sounded like it was it was in terms of marketing has to do with how you decorate your building, you know, how you present it to them, how you make it look like, and that isn't just what's on the inside. That's also what's on the outside mm. and how um, how ornate you would make like mm-hmm. the landscaping sure. of your building sure. uh, versus like how um, what you decorate the inside with. Like, mm-hmm. uh, do you want it to look like the newest, cleanest um, thing that you would see in a magazine from somewhere? Yeah. Or is yeah. it is it just kind of thrown together or is there no decoration whatsoever? Sure. And I think that makes an impact on what people think mm-hmm. uh, in terms of. Yeah, I like that's my style and so this this is a church for me. Right. Right? This is and I think that actually um the way I was thinking of that earlier communicates something to the different classes of people. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a building that's very ornate and a, that's decorated well or has a very like prim proper landscaping that that communicates to to the community around you. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Of okay, well, I either belong there, but there, there's also a group of people that says I probably don't belong there, right? Because right. I don't live in an area that looks anything like that. Mm-hmm. My house doesn't look like that, and so I think that all those things kind of communicate something to people. Yeah. Now, yeah. what they're talking about in terms of decorate it to where it appeals to the broadest array of people possible—that's a little bit of a different thing. But that was something I thought of earlier. Yeah. Of um, I don't know, just decoration. Right, of your church, right. the way you make it look on the outside and the inside, definitely, and what that communicates to different classes of people, definitely. Well, I think we'll stop here uh, for now, but I think this is helpful. Again, it, we're not saying something is necessarily right or wrong in and of itself, but I think it is helpful to consider um, and just to think about um, the role that buildings and architecture play upon our experience here at MMBC. Um, maybe your experience previously in different denominational backgrounds or churches or lack thereof. Um, and again, we're not laying down a set of rules for this or that, but we are saying um, we also can't say that it doesn't matter in regards to church architecture because it is, it is as again, Winston Churchill, we shape our buildings and then our buildings do shape us. And so it's just important for us to try to sit back and think about mm-hmm. how we are being shaped. Um, uh, in good ways and in um, maybe less than good ways uh, by by the buildings that we inhabit and um, and how they they nurture or hinder to various extents um, our relationships together in Christ because mm-hmm. they they also can can do that um, um, to various degrees so thank you for listening to this and uh, we will continue this conversation next week take care God bless.